So this last of, of, of five sermons, I want, we're not just talking about a door today. We're going to talk about a double door. A double door. And as we enter now the, the new, the Jews' new year, 5778, 5,007, this is not 2017, this is 5,778 on God's calendar. And I'm believing that God's not just opening a door, he's opening a, a double door of blessing, a double door of, of, of opportunity that's going to open in people's lives. We see, we see this double door in Isaiah 45. And let's start in the last couple of verses of 44 first. And it talks about Cyrus, right? And King Cyrus, uh, just to kind of fill you a little background here, King Cyrus is not a Jew. He's a Babylonian. He's a heathen, okay? He's over the Persian Empire, and, and Israel is in captivity under him, Okay? And, 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 and so you'd think he'd be the persecutor of Israel. <coughs> but watch this. Who says of, Cyr- of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. I believe there's a word to the church today. You will be built. Jesus said, I'm, I've come to build my church. Glory to God. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? And, and then he says, and then in, in chapter 45, verse 1, remember there are no chapter divisions in when it was originally written. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. Question, how in the world can a pagan king be anointed? He's anointed simply because God chose him to set Israel free, to protect Israel, to bless Israel. How many know God will use anybody, anytime that he wants? We need to stop criticizing people in leadership because we don't agree with them. There's, there's something terrible going on in the world where we dehumanize people and we, and we, we, we come again. Listen, listen. Can I... Do you mind if I get in trouble right here? <laughs> if, it, if it bothers you the way people talk about President Trump, then it should have bothered you the way they talked about President Obama. Let's stop dehumanizing people. And let's understand God puts them up, God puts them down. Doesn't matter if you agree with them, doesn't matter if you like them. God uses whoever He wants to use. You know, our current president is the 45th president of the United States, and this is the 45th chapter of Isaiah. What if He's our Cyrus? Well, I don't like Him. What? So what? You think that excited Israel? What do you think the Jews thought in captivity when God said, the guy who's got you in captivity, he's your anointed one? What? That can't be. How is that possible? Well, God uses whoever he wants to use. I mean, he used a donkey, and I, I don't once, and that donkey wasn't saved. Come on. <laughs> 
Well, I can go there, but I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, in the Hebrew, that word is Messiah. Isn't that weird? To Cyrus, whose right, whose right hand I have held, sub, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors. His role was to open double doors for Israel. I believe today, I really believe the church today is in a sort of captivity. And a lot of it's self-imposed. Because we, we just got to the point where we, we just don't think church is important and we just don't think, you know, prayer is all that, you know, I don't spend as much time there and, and I don't do this and I don't do that. It, listen, it's time. This is a new age. I know this is a new time, but God hasn't changed. And the prayer life you needed back 30 years ago is the prayer life you need today. God's not a push button, microwave, 2017 God. He's the same God. Oh, I know the man is new every day, but God hasn't changed. His methods may change, but he hasn't changed. And if it took prayer and fasting back then, it's going to take prayer and fasting today if we're going to see God do what God If you want to see revival, if you want to see a move of God, you can't hope for it. You need to bombard heaven until it comes. Oh, somebody help me. To open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you, Cyrus, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And cut the bars of iron. Oh, he's going to open some doors. I said he's going to open. He said, I will give you the treasure of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Someone said, why does God always hide things? He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it from the devil. He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. We preached about that. That you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. That's why he uses Cyrus. That's why he'll do weird things. That's why, amen, you'll just, you'll just say, whoa, why would God do that? So that you know it's God. Because there's no other way, no other way it can happen. So God's going to use this. This is the year of, of, of the double door. It's the year of double anointing. Remember, remember Elisha wanted the double anointing. He wanted a double portion. But you know why he said double portion? Because the firstborn son always got the double portion. So you have to be the firstborn son. Well, who's the firstborn son? Jesus Christ. Amen. But we are heirs and joint heirs with him, so we get the double portion as well. But you have to be in relationship to the the firstborn son, my only begotten son. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 double anointing, double inheritance, double blessing. And he said, I'm going to make the crooked places straight. This is the year 577. Oh, great numbers. Five, grace, seven, you know, God's creation, God's completion, God's perfection. And then you got double seven. And then at the end, you got that number eight. Number eight. And in English, it's, it's crooked. 
But God said, I'm going to make it straight. If you look at a snake, a snake moves by doing this. He doesn't move in a straight line. The devil doesn't know a straight thing if it hit him. All he knows is how to get crooked, how to get crooked with you, how to lie to you, how to deceive you. But he said, I'm going to take old Leviathan. I'm going to take Leviathan, the, the serpent, and I'm going to make the crooked places straight in your life. Amen. I'm going to straighten out old number eight. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and, and in Hebrew, the number eight looks like, looks like a doorway, okay? Looks like a doorway. There's a top thing and two side things, lintels of the door, amen? So it's like a doorway into the next move of God. Whew. That number eight, what do the Jews think about number eight? I could preach three sermons right here. There's a lot here. How many can listen really fast? Five people, okay. The number eight to the Jew is the supernatural number. See, number seven is the number of creation, completion, perfection. But they look at it more as creation. It's what God did in the natural. But the number eight, the next number, is the number for the supernatural. In other words, God go on, on the eighth day, he goes beyond what he did in creation and comes into a new number, a new thing, a new miracle. I, oh, yes, hallelujah. We love the number eight. Jews believe that a child, boy, should be circumcised on the eighth day, the number of new beginnings. That circumcision is the doorway into his life uh, as, as a man. Amen. It's, it's the day of new beginnings. Can I, can I get an amen to that? Amen. It's, it's the, so it's the number of, uh, of covenant. It's the number of new beginnings. It, it's, it's new starts. And God is about to kick open some doors for some people in this sanctuary right now. And it's going to be a new start, a new beginning. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. He said, I'm going to let you have a new start. Anybody need a new start? Amen. Oh, the Lord is in the house. Hallelujah. There are three feast days in the Jewish calendar where they, that are celebrated basically seven days, Passover, uh, Pentecost, and Tabernacles that we're celebrating now. But it's interesting that every one of those feast weeks actually have an eighth day. And, and they don't talk about it much, but the eighth day, there are no sacrifices. There's none of that going on, uh, not much anyway. But on the eighth day, they celebrate what God just did. The Jews didn't realize what was going on, but Jesus rose from the dead on the eighth day. Hallelujah. What, you don't get it? Sunday is the seventh day for the Jew. So Sunday, in the Jewish mind, is the first day of the week or the eighth day. Jesus rose from the dead. New beginnings. Supernatural. He conquered death. Conquered hell. Conquered the grave. He conquered everything that was created on this planet. And he comes up out of the tomb on the eighth day. day the, 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 the Greek numbers for, for the name Jesus. You know, you heard of 666. You know what Jesus is? 888. 
David was the eighth son. King David. I say King David, but he was just a little shepherd boy at one time. He was the last born in the family. His father, according to Jewish tradition, his father believed he was illegitimate. He thought his wife, uh, never mind. He thought he wasn't, but he thought he suspected that David was actually illegitimate, so he puts him out in the pasture. When Samuel, the prophet, comes to find a king, he lines up his seven boys. Surely one of these must. He said, no, God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. You must have another son. You have an eighth son. Who is he? Well, we'll get David from the backside of the desert. Oh, how many believe I'm number eight? I'm number eight. Everyone else has underestimated you, but you need to go before the Lord. You are number eight. Something supernatural is going to happen to you. So we've been talking about this. What's the key to open double doors? Well, let's go to this. You know you know, it's the key of David. Isaiah 22, verse 20. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant, say servant, You're not going to amount to anything if you don't learn how to be a servant. Don't be looking for all these things you think God's going to do if you don't have a servant's heart. It shall be on that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of of Hilkiah. Uh uh And I will clothe, say clothe, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now, what's, what's happening here is the guy who had this stuff, uh-huh, the guy who had this is being replaced by Eliakim. And the reason why is because the guy that had it was abusing it. The guy who had it was just occupying a position and taking credit. He had the key to the storeroom and was probably stealing. We got too many pastors and too many leaders today. God's given them the key to the storeroom, and all they do is enrich themselves. All they do is help themselves. You don't have to say, man, I'm going to preach it anyway. I In other words, we are, listen, listen to me. There is, right now, we're in a time of transition. God is changing some things. Some people do good things with wrong motives. And God's looking at the motives. He's not tallying up everything you did. He wants to know what motive you did it with. And if you do it with all the wrong motives, you might be rewarded on this side, but you might be demoted on that side. There's some demotions coming in the body of Christ. And just as surely as there are demotions coming, there are promotions coming. Because some people have a servant's heart. Some people want to serve. Come on now, hallelujah. When Jesus got them all together, he washed their feet. 
There seems to be a mindset that everyone's supposed to wash the pastor's feet, or every, you know. And I understand honor, I understand heads, I understand, but you got to be careful, or you'll get too much into an Old Testament concept of pyramid leadership. But when Jesus came along, he said, he said, if you would want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, then you have to be a servant to everybody. Watch this. You remember, remember when the early church? Oh, there's so many rabbits here. Y'all praying. In, 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 in the New Testament, remember when they had to establish deacons? They, they had to get deacons. Why? They said, because the apostles said, we got to relieve the apostles from serving tables. And, and so we got deacons so they can wait on, the, they can help the widows and the poor and the orphans. And so they can help with that. It never occurred to me that the reason they had to do it is because the apostles wanted to do it. I got one amen. They actually had to pull them back. Now, Peter, we need you to we need you to help us with you know quit quit clearing the tables, quit driving widows around. We we need you at the you know we have thousands of people in the church now. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. They had to make a rule. They had to appoint people because the apostles were spending all their time just being servants. Now, we know leaders need to lead. We understand that, and, and we can't get bogged down with everything or we'll never be leaders, but at the same time, the ultimate purpose of leadership is to serve. That, that's why I can't make you do anything. That's why I don't try to guilt you into anything. Guys, I can't make you come to the conference, though I'm going to have guns there, and I might be able to make you come to the conference. Give a whole new meaning to feeling led. I wish I could just make you feel guilty, make you feel bad, you know, just, you know, just, 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 just. but look, look, if, if you, if you come for all the wrong motives, you're not going to get anything anyway. I, it's not about what I make you do. It's about you listening to the Holy Spirit and just do what you know you're supposed to do. Say hallelujah. My God, I feel him in this place. It's a time of transition. And watch what he says here. The key. He said, I'm going to give you a key. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. You like him? I'm putting you over my house. And you're the only one with the key. Whatever you lock is going to stay locked, and whatever you open is going to stay open because I'm giving you the key. I'm taking it from this other guy, and I'm giving it to you. What, it, what happened when Jesus went to hell for three days? He took the keys. He went to hell and took the keys from the enemy, and he gave it to us. Oh, that doesn't excite you. He gave it to us. There's a transition going on. New guys, new servants are coming ahead. And God's going to give us three things, a robe, a sash, and a key. Listen, we can't go through the door dressed like we are sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't go in dressed like that. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
Now you're going, what's wrong with my umdrafts? I mean, How many remember that, that parable of the wedding feast? And he invited all the church people, and none of them came. Oh, I feel the pain. I feel the pain. I invite you to come. You don't come. He's inviting you to come. Are you going to come? Right? So he said, go out and get the people who never get invited to these things. Go get the... Go get the poor and go get the, the lepers and, you know, people we're not allowed to touch. and Go, go get all these people that never get invited to anything. And, and then there was still room. So he said, go on the highways and byways. What does that mean? Go to the homeless. Go to people who don't even have a home. You know they didn't get an, an invitation. They don't even have an address. Invite all them to come. And we see this picture of this wedding feast, right? And everyone's at the wedding, and everyone has on a wedding garment. They're dressed for the wedding. How do homeless people, you know, you're homeless, but you got your best suit in your, you know. What? No, these homeless people didn't have suits. These lepers, they were dirt poor. They didn't have, so how did they get dressed in wedding suits? Because, as you know, it was the custom. The father of the groom provided I'd just like to go to weddings where they provided what you wore. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but how many, how many would go to our Heavenly Father's wedding? How many know he's going to provide something pretty awesome? Amen. So there's one, one, one bullheaded guy there who doesn't have on a wedding garment. He's one of these guys who says, ah, I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to be me. You know, just being you is not going to get you to heaven. Y'all just aren't getting it this morning. Oh, I'm just me. I don't believe in dressing up for all that. It's his banquet. It's his, it's his uh, suit. And, man, he's, he wants you to wear this. He wouldn't wear it. And if you refuse what God wants for you, it's the garment of salvation. And then there's the garment of praise. And he gives you that. Wow. Oh, there's so much here. But we can't go through the door dressed like we're dressed, and we can't go through the door with all of our baggage either. I tell you, I just, I just did a little short trip to a conference in Atlanta, and Glory didn't go with me. I had one little bag. I was so happy. I felt like I'm free. <laughs> when we go on a trip, my goal, you know, I'm challenged with how little can I take and still go. That's my challenge. Does anyone know what Gloria's challenge is? How much can I take? And then if I can't take more, which of the people going with me will take some of my stuff? And you're sitting there in the airport, and that, that thing comes over the intercom. If anybody has given you a bag that does not belong to you, and you're going like, oh, my God, I've got two of Gloria's bags. Because, why did she bring so much? Because, no, 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 you, yeah, you never know. 
We're going to put that on our tombstone. You never know. I know what's going on my tombstone. I told you I was sick. That's what's going on mine. I get no respect, no respect. But when it comes to going to heaven and you're going to the wedding feast, it's not about your stuff. If you're going to go through the door, it's kind of hard to go through the door with all your luggage. In fact, I've never seen a a U-Haul behind a hearse. Anybody? So here you are trying to get through the door. Leave it. Leave it. How many believe you need some stuff you just need to put down? There are some things you need to let alone, some things you need to give up on, because you can't take all that stuff. I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about your ministry. You can't do your ministry with all this junk you got. Amen. Come on, come on. I'm talking about what's in your mind, what's in your heart, oh, and what's in your hand. It's time to let go of some things so you can go through the door. Give God a praise. Amen. We need to change. We need to change. We need to change. We need to change. The high, priest, the high priest was told that you cannot minister before the Lord in your street clothes. You have to put on these garments, garments of praise. Oh, Jesus, help us, amen. And the high priest would pass that garment to his son and his son's son. Can you imagine being like the 8th, ninth, and 10th generation, and they're still passing that same garment on? Whew. Because every time... Every time another generation gets it, they pour oil on it. So the oil's just accumulating, and the oil's getting heavier. Oh, church, we have failed as a church to not, not, uh, not, uh, not open the doors to that next generation. We, the oil should increase. I, I, I believe I'm seeing it with my kids. I believe you could see it with your kids. They should do more than you. Or that opportunity's there. And I know the enemy's fighting. And, and listen, don't, be, don't feel bad and guilty because they make their own choices. But listen, it's available. Amen. If you'll dress them with garments of praise instead of garments of criticism, God can use them and anoint them for greatness. Amen. Dress your children in garments of praise. Oh, this is too much. This, y'all, this is too much. Listen, a garments identify who you are. In the Old Testament, how you dressed is pretty much your, your in, your, the way you worked. And the way, remember blind Bartimaeus, right? And, and he, he cries out, Jesus, thou son of David. And he, he wanted to be healed. And they tried to shut him up. And he just cried all the, Jesus, thou son of David. And finally Jesus said, come here. Now, he didn't heal him. But the Bible said, yeah, but, but the Bible said he got up and he took off his beggar clothes. He hadn't been healed yet, but he knew if Jesus calls my name, I'm going to be healed. And if I'm healed, I won't need beggar clothes anymore. Some of you need to just get up right now, take off your whatever clothes, and I don't mean natural clothes. I mean, just get, you know, nowadays you got to make things clear. I want you to get up and get off your uh, get off your clothes of depression and get off your clothes of sickness and get off the clothes of debt. Just get up and say, I'm not healed yet, but I'm gonna be healed. Jesus called my name. 
Let's do a crazy praise right there and magnify the Lord. Woo! Jesus was about to heal him. And he doesn't need those beggar clothes anymore. Oh, my God, help us. Listen, some people will be jealous of your new clothes. Remember Joseph and his coat of many colors. All his brothers got, got jealous and threw him in a pit. Yeah, man. But you know what? It all worked out. Be careful who you throw in the pit. That might be the person who later saves you. Number, number two, a sash. There's a sash. And the sash was a symbol of authority. And, the, and listen, the sash was like a seal. If you wore that sash, everyone knew what your position was. Listen, we wear that sash. We wear that seal because we want, because the devil knows we belong to him. Real quick, Ephesians 1.13 talks about this. Is in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed right there it is you are sealed with the holy spirit of promise what devil can touch you if you're sealed ephesians 4 30 talks about this too it says and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption come on you belong to him you have position in him you have title in him amen second corinthians 1 verse 20 uh, through 22 for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god through us uh, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. I don't anoint you. He anointed you, amen, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee. Ah. Number three, we have a key. We have a key. We have a key to the storeroom and the throne room. You understand what this means? There was one guy in the king's house who had the king, he had the key to all the king's stuff. He's the one that counted the money. He's the one that ordered, organized the storerooms. He's the one that would give things out. He was in control. He was the number two guy. He had the key. And he gave it to Eliakim, and he says, I'm giving you the key of David. I'm giving you the family key, the key to the storeroom, the key to the throne room, and no one else has the key. And Jesus told Peter, I'm giving you the metaphor. He's to the kingdom. This is not just some metaphor. He's opening the storerooms of heaven. And the key of David is worship. Our brother Jordan was just talking about that, right? It's the key. Worship, worship, worship. Worship is always the answer. Worship, the key of David. The key of David is worship. Not complaining. Not fear. Not jealousy. Not money. It's worship. Worship is the key through every trial, every tribulation, everything. Oh, my God. I, I, I think i got to quit. I don't know. We have the key. Three things real quick. We must be prayerful. Second Chronicles 7.14, right? If my people. That's what we've been doing. Look at, look at all the names around you. We're surrounded by a crowd, a crowd 
a cloud of witnesses, but look at this. We're also surrounded by unsaved loved ones. Look at this. I think they said there's like 400 names up there. What if they all got saved? We couldn't even hold them. 